Welcome to Church Project. We sing our theology. What's, what's theology? It's like how we see God and how we interpret the world. Like we sing who God is. And before we had the written word in the Bible, that's how, that's how people did it. They told stories by, they, they told theology and things about God by singing and by rote, like they would do it by their words and by storytelling, and now we have this wonderful Bible that we get to dive into and we get to study, but isn't it so cool to sing our theology, like who God is, who he is, what we believe about him, what we declare over our lives and over the world? That's one of the things I love the most about our Sunday gatherings. So welcome, we're a church, we're a gathering of people that love Jesus, We love the mission of Jesus, and we want to live that out together. We're also a project. We're (laughs) mess-ups. Wait, I can't say that. We're redeemed, right? Okay, so we are in in a process of being more like Christ every day, and we're trying to figure that out, like how to be the church in 2018. And so welcome. If you're a first-time guest, we're so glad that you're here today, and we hope that you engage with us during our house churches that meet throughout the week. So you could go to our website at churchprojectgreeley.org, find out when the house churches are, you're invited. So just find out where they're at, call them and say we're coming, and you're, you're there. So awesome. Um, another thing I want to say is you can, everyone can open up your YouVersion app, your Bible app on your phone, and this is where the notes for the message today will be. I would encourage you to follow along in the notes. We put some good stuff in there. And I'd also encourage you to download those notes so when you go to house church this week, you can dialogue over the scripture. And so those are there for you to use. I I wanna uh, kinda let you know, we usually go expository. We've been going through the book of Acts, well, since I was born. So we've been in in it for a while. We've taken a pause. We took a pause on it about a month ago. And right when we thought we were gonna get back into Acts again, my grandpa looked me in the eyes and said, don't you do it, Aaron. And so we entered into another series called Generosity. And if you were here last week, um, we talked about what it means to be a generous people. And I, I say, may it be said of us at Church Project, and may it be said of us as followers of Christ that we are a generous people, right? May that be said of us. Last week, if you were here, it was a challenging message, and and the challenge was this, specifically, spend less and give more. As we move into the Christmas season and the Thanksgiving season, do you really need that blow-up Santa Claus in your yard? I mean, really cool. I like those. But what could we do as a church if we're a generous people, and even with the way that we spend our money, we're we're generous there. Like we're gonna we're gonna spend less and we're gonna give more. Like we have fantastic ministry partnerships that if you've tithed anything to at Church Project, you're part of that. Like right now, April and Sarah are in Haiti doing their rock and roll thing. We're there with them, like we're partying with them. We have ministry partnerships all in this room that we're doing stuff throughout um, Greeley and the world every single day, and we're part of that. And so don't you wanna be, spend less and give more? Because the gospel gets to push back darkness in all parts of the world. That's what we get a part of, be a part of. Isn't that cool? So the challenge was that, and the challenge also was to be under the scripture to be under the scripture, to not think ourselves above the scripture, but to be under it and to spend more time saying, God, what does your scripture say? And I wanna align my life and I wanna live that way according to your scripture. 
declaring, it was a declaration last week of who God is and that if we fully trust him, specifically with our finances, that's what we talked about last week. If we're generous with our finances and we fully trust him, then what we'll do is we'll give God the first fruits of all of our money. We'd say, God, here's my paycheck. I'm giving you the first fruits of that, the first part of that, the 10% or whatever God is laying on your heart right there, and I'm trusting you for the rest of all of my expenses. It's putting God first in everything that we do. It's declaring who God is and that we fully trust him with our lives. And by tithing, by being generous with our money, we are saying that he is Lord of our lives. So, right now, you can give on the website, or you can give in that little cool black box back there, but that's the practical ways that you can give at Church Project, and I would like to call that tithe box kind of like the blessing box, and why that? Because as you begin to align your life with God's word, blessings begin to flow on your life. Not only in tithing, in all aspects of life. When you begin to align your life with God's word, blessings are flowing and coming, so get ready for that, you know what I'm saying? Amen. I got like three amens, that's good. So we based our scripture last week and we're going to continue looking at this week, um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And so if you would, open up your Bible or your Bible app, whatever you have, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read through this whole thing and then we're going to stop on one word and our whole message is on one word today. This is Paul, he's talking to the church. And Paul's giving instructions to the early church. He loves the church. This is the beginning of the church. And I like to call it Pastor Paul because he has a heart for the church and he wants to see it grow and succeed and do incredible things. His life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And he can't help but share this message, this good news gospel message everywhere that he goes. And so as he was planning different churches, he begins to look back at those brand new churches and he begins to have a heart for them saying, you're doing incredible things. However, there's some things that you need to get right. Like do this, do this, align with this. And so Paul is writing this letter to Corinthians and he's writing a very specific thing. And so think that we are the church of Corinthians and Paul has written this letter to us, okay? Here's his charge. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonia churches. That's not us, that's the other churches over there. We're the church of Corinth, okay? For the Macedonian churches, in the midst of a a very severe trial, by the way, history shows this was the most severe like time of famine in the history. Like everyone, if you said of the famine in the Macedonian area, people would go, oh my. Like they've lost everything, their crops, their livestock, everything. Like they've lost it all. So this is what's happening in this time period. And Paul's talking to us, the church of Corinth, and saying those churches, the Macedonian churches, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Wow. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
and then by the will of God also to us. So now, Church of Corinth, now that you know about the Macedonian churches and what they're going through and what they've done, here's our charge, verse six. So he urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, verse seven. But, it, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled with you, here's my charge to you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So we based our whole message last week on the grace of giving. Tithes and offerings are our money. Talking about being a generous people, they're gonna spend less, we're gonna give more. What, do you, what can we do if we're all generous? Like we can do a ton, even with this little body, if we're generous with our tithes and with our offerings. Today, what I wanna do is I wanna point out that the church first gave themselves to God and then to us. Like they knew who God was. They knew who they were in Christ. Like they were happy and complete on the insides. And because of that, they were able to give and to be part of the greater picture that the church that Jesus Christ had built, that Paul's life had been changed on, they get to be and partake in part of that. And yet at the very end, Paul says, you're doing great with everything. But you know that finance that you're holding on to? You're gonna see God do incredible things in your life if you meet him in your finances. You trust him even in your finances. Why? Man, that's where, the, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, God, I'll trust you with all aspects of my life, but this one, no, uh Like, I worked hard for this, my paycheck, my stuff, my earnings, my whatever it is, we hold on to it like this. Jesus talks mostly about finances and pride and fear and letting God have control of even that. And so as Paul's looking at this church, he's saying, you guys are rock stars, but when it comes to your giving, you have a fear that God wants to break free. Today, we're talking about faith. Faith. Because in verse seven it says, but since you excel in everything in faith, so they're excelling in faith, so we're gonna talk about that because I think this is our charge for us today. What is faith? Well, those of you that are super cool hipsters that are old like I am, George Michael tells you, I gotta have faith, 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 I gotta have faith. You like you? I did, I, Shannon, don't give me that disappointing look. Like, that was good, man. You know that song? You guys know that song? Bob your head, okay? I, I'll, I'll stop singing it. I know for some of you, George Michael is in your head and you're gonna be longing to get to the next karaoke party for the next hour, so come back, okay, come back. Don't let George Michael distract you. Come on back, okay? What is faith? Um, Let's talk about faith, and then I think what it is will become clearer. Let's talk about what faith is, and then I think what faith is, if that makes sense, will become more clearer. And so this, what do we need to know about faith? God has already given us faith. That's huge. Like, it's in your notes, it's bolded for a reason, but if you're writing it down, like, bold it, underline it. Like, God has already given us faith. Faith requires nothing of us other than belief. Faith requires nothing of us other than belief. 
I wanna, I wanna couch this on Colossians chapter one, verses four and five. It's in your notes, and, and listen to this. It says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, what's their faith in? In Christ Jesus, a belief in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up in you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel is a freedom message. So a belief in Jesus Christ is where you can couch your faith. It's something that's already given to you. And as we're talking about faith, I'll also say this. If we have true faith, our belief will be expressed in the obedience to God's word. So let me see these two things again because it's hard to think like in this world and in this culture, like number one, God has already given us his faith by Jesus Christ, like he's given us his Holy Spirit. Faith requires nothing of us other than belief. Like I believe as we sung, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in what God's doing, like that's the faith. It requires nothing of us other than to believe. And if we have true faith, our belief will be expressed in obedience to God's word. Because we believe in Jesus, we're willing to sit under his teaching and it will change our life. Our belief is expressed by obedience to God's word and our faith is made complete. 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse five says this, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Like we can have faith in all sorts of things in this world that are gonna come and go. Faith that this chair is gonna hold you up till it rusts out and drops you on your butt. But the word of God, to have faith in the eternal things is what our belief is based on. That's what we align our life with. And so, what is faith? What do we need to know about this? It's already been given to us. You don't have to go out and earn new faith. That's a cool promise because a lot of us feel like we've got to go earn something. We've got to deserve this faith or whatever it may be. And so, why do we need to know this? Because we need to know that the faith has already been given to us because there's an adversary, there's an evil one that's coming after you. Satan wants us to think faith is something that we must earn. Like, that's what Satan wants to do more than anything else in this life, in this, in this world, is for us to think that our faith is something that we have to do and we have to earn. And it's crafty. Because if we can begin to think that, the deceiver will twist our theology. The deceiver wants to twist our theology. Satan wants to twist our theology in the way that we see God and think about God. We'll think of God as the great smiter on high who's just waiting to smite you and destroy you. We'll think of God as transcendent and far off and not interested in us. We'll begin to think of God waiting to strike us with plagues and with guilt. When Satan begins to twist our theology, we begin to think that, some, that faith is something we must earn. See, here's the deal. Satan, he wants to get us so frustrated that we question God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been going through something so hard that you're like, God, I don't know how good you are and I don't know how faithful you are. 
And it's good to question these things and it's good to wrestle with these things, but Satan, want to keep, Satan wants to keep you there. And he wants to keep you questioning God's goodness and God's faithfulness in your life. See, he wants us to think that faith is something we produce. We don't produce faith. It's already been given to us. We just have to believe. But Satan wants us to think faith is something that we can build on and he, we can produce in our life. He wants to take away faith from God's control and give it to us. You ever been there? Like, here's the deal. If Satan can take faith away from God's control and make it reliant on what we do and what we don't do, then he knows that I will eventually lose faith. That's powerful. Because if it's dependent on me keeping it right, I'm gonna lose it. Why? I lose my car keys how many times a week? Satan wants to swing the power of faith from God to us. He wants us to think that it's something we produce when it's something God has given us freely. And that should set you free, church, of any kind of guilt and shame. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. We will try to hold every burden when we don't have faith in God, in God's will and who he is and who he, and who he says he is and what he, has done, uh, what he has done and that he is faithful, like we will carry the burden of all the guilt and shame in our life when we don't have faith that God is who he says he is and that he can do in our lives what he says he can do. Like this is a big concept. Satan wants us to think that when something doesn't go our way, then it must be because we didn't do something right or we don't have enough faith. You just gotta hold on, have a little more faith. Those are lies. Faith is a free gift that God has already given us. Nothing we can do can earn more. Do you believe in Jesus Christ and who he is? Oh, but the cool thing about God is all these lies that Satan's tell us, like just do more or have more faith and it's gonna go better for you, trust me. Follow more laws, look more like a Christian, and, and, that, and that thing that you're worried about is gonna be gone, trust me. And we begin to get on this cycle of working harder and trying to earn more faith and pleasing God, and we get on this cycle, and the cool thing about God is he can take those lies from Satan and he can use them. Oh, but God, say, oh, but God. Man, he meets us there. He will take what the enemy intends for evil and destruction in our life and turn it to good. He can take those bad things that we're going through and turn it to good. Satan wants us to get stuck on the journey. What we're in right now, Satan wants us to get stuck and focused on this when God has promised our final destination to be glory and glorious and to look more like him. Satan wants us stuck here in the speed bumps of life focusing on the bad and hard things. And God's like, I've already overcome all this. You're already glorious. You're already redeemed. You're already beautiful in my eyes. Like, you're already there. Let's walk through these things. But that's not your identity. So, why do we need to know that this faith is given to us? It's not something that we earn. We need to know it because Satan wants us to think that, that faith is something we can earn, which we cannot. So what do we do? We, we focus on promises, not on the problems. 
right? We can focus on the promises, not on the, pro- on the problems. Philippians 2.13 says it this way, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to the fullness of his good purpose. If you're a child of the king, God is already moving and working, and he's already fulfilling promises in your life. The question is, are you focusing more on those promises, or are you focusing more on the problems? See, if we think we gotta earn more faith, and we gotta do these certain things to get God happy with us, then we're gonna be on a treadmill of trying to perform, and we're gonna be thinking about how to overcome all these problems, and God's like, I've already come over those. I've already overcome all those. Focus on my word and my promises and what I said I am and what I do and how I do it and who you are. So we lift our, we lift our eyes off of the problems and we focus on the promises. The only way that we can do this, church, is to know myself as God knows me. This is huge. For some of you, that one line right there is gonna send you to months of counseling, and and that's probably pretty good. Like, maybe you should go. To know myself as God knows me. Do you honestly know yourself as God knows you? Father Walter Barghart says this about contemplation. Contemplation is a long, loving look at the real. Capital R, real. Contemplation is a long, loving look at the real. When was the last time you contemplated how Jesus and how God and how the Holy Spirit sees you? To know myself as God knows me. Church, right here in this place, I'm just gonna invite you, just, just close your eyes for a second. Like, God, what do you see when you see me? Contemplate this. Just ask God, God, what do you see when you see me? God, what do you feel when you think of me? As God thinks about you, what does he feel? Do you think he's smiling? Is he laughing? Is he fist bumping you? Is he proud of you? See, if we don't know ourselves as God knows us, We're tempted to try to earn more faith and belief to prove it. But this faith, this belief has been given for us on what Jesus has already done for us. And this is what God sees. God says, I have handcrafted you. I've moved heaven and earth for you. I am continuing to pursue you and I am super jealous of your worship. I want your worship. And I want to spend time with you. You're my child. And I am your father. So church, I ask us here, maybe this week the best thing you can do is spend time in silence. Knowing 
myself as God knows me. Seeing myself as God sees me. See, God paid a mighty price when he traded his son for you. When he said, sin, I'm throwing my son on the cross and his blood's gonna cover all the sins of all mankind. Is that a mighty price? And God was willing to spend that price with the blood of his son. How do you think God sees you? He loves you dearly. Hebrews 10, 39 says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Like to have faith, to know who God is, to know who we are. When we know who we are in Christ, the problems don't seem so daunting. When we're focusing on the promises instead of the problems, the problems just don't seem so daunting. The journey of bumps is more about the destination and where God is taking us. We can overcome all of that. His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness, amen? His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. We sing this theology. Do we let it wash over our hearts and our minds and become our reality? This week, when we're faced with the problem, here's the challenge to focus on God's promise. That's it. We're all gonna be challenged. Lift your eyes off that challenge and ask God what the promise he's trying to work through you as you move through the speed bumps and you continue on where God's taken you. Promises, we stand on those. And it's creating a new way of thinking in our lives because some of us, we are so accustomed to just looking at problem and moving from problem to problem to problem or trying to earn God's love here, here, here. Disappointing God here, here, here. Feeling guilty here, here, here. Hurt by the church here, here, here. Angry at Christians here, here, here. We're focused on all these things that are in the temporal when God's like, lift your eyes off of all that and focus on who I am and the promises that I've already given you. We need to create a new way of thinking, a perspective of promises, not problems. So, that report, that relationship, that habit, my finances, your word says what, God? What is the alternative way to view this? Wow, we're moving along, huh? Are we in it? We good? Okay. So, let's do a little recap here. Sorry. God has already given us faith. Okay? Satan wants us to think faith is something we must earn. We, though, focus on his promises, not the problems. And this is Why do we need to do this? Focus on the promises, not the problems? Because life and death is in the balance. Our life and death and the life of death of the world around us is in the balance. If Satan can get us thinking that faith is something that we earn, we're already done. Because ain't no one good enough to do that and try carrying that burden. That's not yours to carry. You're just not that strong. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commanded to do. 
All the people that came before us, this New Testament church we're reading about, and even in the Old Testament church, the people that would run after Jehovah, God's people. Like we've all had to wrestle with this. Life and death is in the balance because if we don't get this, there's problems galore. There is stress by the ton, worries filled to the brim, we can't sleep, we're gaining weight, we're getting bitter, we're feeling isolated, we're depressed, and we're anxious, and we're tired, and we're unhappy, and must I go on? When we try to earn God's love, it's never gonna go well. So as Paul's looking at this church, he's saying, you guys have done it. Like, you know, what it, you know what it looks like to have faith and to trust God for the outcomes and not to look at the problem, but to look at the promises and to find your identity in Jesus, not in what you do or don't do. You've got it. And then I'd encourage you to read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through Hebrews 12, verses three. It's in your notes. But because I was so wordy, we'll skip that. That's fine. That's good because I think we got the point today. There are, and as you, as you, if we were to continue reading these, these Hebrew, or these Second Corinthian verses here, there are so many problems that occur in the lives that have come before us, that have been following God. There's shipwreck, there's on and on. There's stuff that people before us had to go through as they've tried to earn God's love, all to realize that God has given us this. God has already given us faith. Satan wants us to think faith is something we must earn. And we as his church will focus on his promises, not on the problems, because life and death is in the balance. He wants you to get separated from the love of God. That's what Satan's plan is. And God's saying, come on. We're gonna go through all these speed bumps called life, but we're moving to glory. We're moving to the final destination. Mm -hmm.